Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat. Oh, it feels so good because we have finally hit that point in the calendar where between now and the start of the season, we are rolling through the win totals. Today, we'll be doing half of the Pac-12, Pac-12 Part 1. We don't have divisions anymore, but if you need to group them, might as well have uh, the old Pac-12 division cousins together. So uh, the Pac-12 North, that means today we will be doing Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford. Um, our official locks for win totals will be a little bit later on in the calendar as we get closer to this, but we're going to give you our analysis, our leans, and maybe even if one of us wants to you know, feel so strongly as to go ahead and tell you to fire on it, maybe, maybe that'll happen too. Also, as a little bit of housekeeping, through some of these Win Totals episodes, we are going to be bumping some of the news and headline segments to the end of the show. However, we've got a pretty large story going on in college football, and to ignore it or push it to the very back of the show, I think would be doing a disservice to a conversation that's happening for college football fans everywhere. Because as the uh, the first bit of news would be that Pat Fitzgerald received a two-week suspension during the offseason at the conclusion of an investigation into hazing allegations. However, more allegations have come forward, some from the student newspaper, ESPN's Adam Rittenberg has done some reporting as well, and the Northwestern president over the weekend, late Saturday night, issuing a statement saying that he may have erred in terms of the punishment for Pat Fitzgerald. Um, there's a lot coming from former players. We have a letter from the current team in which they stand united and they believe that the allegations put in a poor light the values that they have within this team. So the the two sides of this, uh, well, I guess the, the number one, what exactly do we make of this? And then number two, Pat Fitzgerald potentially facing further punishment. What extent do we think that will come from that? Tom, you mentioned before the show that you've been doing some, some conversations with some people around the program. I'll let you go ahead and guide this into what you think is the most essential takeaway um, from the story. I, I don't know if I have a, a essential takeaway. What I get was ever since like the stuff broke out, I've, I've talked to some coaches. I've talked to some former players. I've not talked to any players that are currently on the team. So uh, just generally, and this is, again, I'm, I'm not going to share my opinion on any of this stuff. I'm just going to tell you what I've been told by these people that are in the program, who've been in that locker room and who, you know, are there every day or thereabouts or were, uh, 
a lot of players confirmed that some of the activities that are mentioned in that story happen and they were there they were happening while they were there all of them strongly pushed back on any kind of sexual assault part to these activities that go on like i've had it described by some players as just kind of sophomoric locker room bs the kind of stuff that just you know, like one guy said to me, he's like, I, it's just D1 football. Um, coaches I've talked to have said, you know, they've strongly denied any kind of, uh, I guess, involvement in any of it. Like the, the one part of the Daily Northwestern story that both players and coaches pushed back on was like the hand signal from Pat Fitzgerald was like, oh, this means we got to run this guy or whatever the hell they were calling it. Right. They're saying that was just a hand signal from Pat Fitzgerald for when a player messed up and the players turned that into whatever the hazing activity was. It wasn't Pat Fitzgerald saying you have to do this to them. Um, a lot of players just kind of pushed back and just said again, yes, it's stuff that happens. It's stuff that has been happening in football locker rooms for a very long time. And some people, I guess, you know, it's you can't predict how anybody's going to react to anything. And one player very much had a very different perspective on it, apparently based on the allegations. Uh, another coach, basically, at the end of the day, you know, he was t telling me all this stuff, but this is off the record, so I can't go. But the point that he kind of tried to make to me was anytime an allegation like this comes to light against a football program. And we've seen like a lot of serious allegations against programs in recent years. And we have seen schools have terrible reactions to them, whether they just bury them and ignore them and hope they go away. And he says, anytime this stuff has come up, the point has been what schools need to do is they need to take the allegations seriously. They, you know, they need to believe the person making the allegations and then they need to do a thorough investigation into these allegations. And one coach just pointed to me, says, the allegations came in. The school took them seriously. The school did independent investigations into these allegations, including interviews of coaches and players. And at the end of this investigation, they decided that a two-week suspension for Pat Fitzgerald in July was the proper response to the allegations. And he left it at that. I mean, they did do an, an independent outside investigation, right? You can kind of read into that what you will, that they felt that maybe some of the allegations were not credible or the extent of the allegations were not credible. If the independent investigation actually found all of these allegations credible, I have to think that they would have fired Pat Fitzgerald unless they were operating under the assumption that it would not come out later on, right? Part of me thinks like, is this two-week suspension basically a two-week negotiation period? I, I don't know. Right. Uh, the fact that almost all of the subsequent stuff has post uh, the, the uh, Northwestern newspaper report and some of the you know, ESPN report, which kind of echoed it. Most of it seems to dispute this seems to suggest that, like, there is some real dispute uh, about whether this even happened or the extent to which it happened. I, I wasn't there. I, I don't know. Uh, I've certainly been involved in reporting on some of this stuff before. It's difficult to do. And uh you don't want to both sides this stuff, but, uh, you know, like there are facts that happen and then there's people's interpretation of the facts and we don't know either. What do you think, Danny? Um, I don't know. I feel like these situations I have to be careful. I haven't tweeted anything like purposefully because I get really bothered by people just come in with the hammer and like he's got to be fired. Like that just is very frustrating for me. Like haven't we learned our lesson over the course of history 
with how many coaches we've pounded the table. And some of them have been fired and lost their careers because of it. Uh, others haven't. You realize, I think, like, the f- the smart thing for the school would be to, I think, do what they did. Say, okay, slow, let's take a beat. Let's slow down. Let's make sure we gather some information. Then there's the for- former athlete in me that's been a part of, um, you know, various teams where hazing is a part of it. And I, and I, if you never were on a team or a fraternity or a band, you know, I mean, there's different organizations which have all had some form of hazing. It can be a very positive, like bonding, building camaraderie, humbling, you know, um, exercise. And it can be not fun while you're going through it. But I do think it can build character, it can build classes tight, like a freshman class could come together and kind of bond from it. Um, and I, I don't. It can be traumatic. I, what's it can, that? It can be traumatic. I mean, like, like, like guys, guys have quit in the middle of pledging. And it yeah. becomes something that's like gone too far and like, right. really and and that's, that's I think the part what I'm struggling with is how, because I, I don't think there's absolutely any validity to fits, uh, to fits having any sort of, Oh, this is a hand signal or, or him controlling it. I think where it goes, where it runs amok. And this is where you see tragedies and traumas take place is when the coaches don't, cause the coaches don't want to see it. They don't right. want to know. They know it takes place. They kind of turn a blind eye and say, well, this is how it's always worked. And, you know, I can, I've been a part of it. We've all been through this kind of a rite of passage. So they understand what it goes to. And then what happens is, does it cross the line? And that's what I'm trying to figure out is, did this cross some line? Clearly it crossed the line for somebody, but it was somebody, was it somebody who was disgruntled with the program? Is it somebody that didn't like his playing time? Cause we've seen those episodes before too i just i look at these stories and i i don't i don't feel informed enough haven't talked to enough current players or former players to have a real positive uh you know real strong take on it but my initial take is one of skepticism like what is really going on here it probably doesn't matter the facts the northwestern university president is having to play politics and pr and reaction right now And that means that whatever punish further punishment might be coming down might not be fair to Pat Fitzgerald because it might be coming on the backs of, you know, reacting to the public reaction to the story. That drives me nuts. Like that to me, if you're going to have an investigation and you're going to come out with a punishment, stick by it. Don't cater to the people that are out there writing stories about you negatively. Cause you know what? It probably would blow over. Like, I, I don't think this is something where you would have people picketing outside the stadium come September. Like, yeah, it'll be a rough 48 hours, 72 hours, but you're about, and, you know, good luck trying to find somebody better than Pat Fitzgerald to run the program. Like, and, and I think he's a great coach. I think he's maximized uh, at times what Northwestern can be as a football program. Um, I've covered him multiple times, sat in meetings with him. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Like, I just, I would be real cautious in making a knee jerk, you know, catering to the criticism from outside people who don't know, you know, what has really transpired. Yeah, that's, I, I started this conversation thinking that we might button it with, do you think Pat Fitzgerald, blah, 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 but that almost doesn't feel fair to, to sort of where we are in the process right now. Um, I, I'm assuming Pat Fitzgerald will face further punishment but I, I don't know the extent of that punishment. 
but there's there is almost certainly going to be some more here. And I will say that, like, I'm not going to be able to. You know, Pat Fischel doesn't need to hear anything from me. But there is a pivot, right? There is a pivot of, you know, there you you have some more punishment, and then you discuss locker room culture, right? You discuss the way that you want to lead this group and how you you need to count on your senior leaders and this, that, and the other to make sure that, um, you know, the people are treated with respect, you know, whatever it is. There's, there is a pivot out of this, I think, for Northwestern um, and for Pat Fitzgerald. I'm, I am not uh, 100% certain for what the extent of the, uh, the further uh, punishment is going to be. But, Definitely something to keep your eyes on. Big 10 media days coming up at the end of the month. There is no doubt that will be a, uh, that will be a hot topic of conversation. Yes, Dan. Two weeks, July 24th. I'm going to say he should, he's going to be suspended three weeks. So he misses big 10 media days. So he does not have to answer these questions. Maybe that's one of the tactics, but then I you mean, can't it feels like players. if you were to come in and give something impactful, it feels like a game. You know, yeah, or suspend yeah, yeah. for a game or two, or you know that that to me feels like if you wanted to elevate it to another level. From what I've read now, I don't think he should be, nor do I think he will be fired. I think I think that a game in the season feels more impactful, maybe games, but yeah, I agree with that. All right, sorry. Yeah, listen, man, we had to talk about it. All right, we don't ignore the big stories in college football. We cover the whole daggum sport, whether we like it or whether it makes us feel a little bit weird. And Tom did good reporting. Thank you very much, Tom. So coming up on the other side, time to get into it. It's time to count them up. Pack 12 win totals. Next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pac-12 part one this week that will be uh, today. That will be the Pac-12 North teams, formerly North teams, of course, no divisions. Uh, On Wednesday, we will do the remainder of the Pac-12. Oh, man, this just gets me so excited right now. So it just gets me fired up to say, gentlemen, y'all ready to count them up? Let's do this thing, man. do it. As much as I think the the under is a safe play, like I can't even. Count them up. Fall. I can't fathom eight wins. How many kids are gonna win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. I really think if we sold that on iTunes, we could all retire. Like we need to just <laughs> put it out there. We need to sell that. I think C Murdo would come for royalties on that one. So I'm not asking for that beef. Uh, for those of you who have been rocking with us for a while, you know that that is the voice of uh, Vanderbilt general manager, Barton Simmons, and that the schedule he's discussing discussing is the 2018 Louisville Cardinals schedule, which was one of the greatest collapses that I've seen in my 13 years of working for CBS. The team finished 2-10. and 10. Bobby Petrino was fired. And not only did he not see eight wins, Barton, looking at the schedule, which started with an opener against Alabama, uh, 
But he also saw that Brian Van Gorder had just been hired. <laughs> Dude, that, that Georgia Tech-Louisville game 2018 was one of the all-time best cash cows for live betting. Like, if you were watching it, you're like, oh, my God. Louisville just does not care. Like, they might be intentionally trying to allow, allow Georgia Tech to score just, just to rub it in Petrino's face. And Paul Johnson, I think, pretty clearly did not like Petrino and was mm-hmm. was absolutely trying to run it up on, on, on them. So it was uh, – Paul Johnson not liking something. Mm, Get the man. hell out of here. <laughs> um, and the final score, uh, just to say, save you a look, that score that he's referencing is 66 to 31. <laughs> yeah. And that game was in <laughs> Cardinal Stadium. Was so Louisville Georgia, favored there? Georgia Tech went in and put 66 so. on yeah. the board. Uh, they they just continued. They lost seventy seven to sixteen to Clemson. They lost fifty four to ter- to twenty three to Syracuse. They lost fifty two to ten to NC State and fifty six to ten to Kentucky to close the season. That team quit like no other team in history quit. That was just wow, amazing was- stuff. All right, yeah, was- let's let's dive into the here and the now. So we begin. With the Oregon Ducks, Caesar Sportsbook currently has them at nine and a half regular season wins. The over at plus one hundred, the under at minus one thirty. They open up with Portland State at home, a little bit of a tricky road trip to Lubbock to play Texas Tech, then Hawaii at home to close out their three-game non-conference schedule. Then it's Colorado home, Stanford away, break in October seventh, back in action at Washington. Washington State at home, at Utah, Cal at home, USC at home, at Arizona State, Oregon State at home. What's What stands out to us here? Because clearly we've got um, you know, one of our many returning quarterbacks that we feel confident in, in Bo Nix. We've got some a couple transfer portal additions that are pretty notable here uh, for the Ducks, especially as they try to shore things up on the defensive side of the football as well. Schedule, team. What, where, where, what's our starting point here with Oregon as we look ahead to 2023? They're one of the teams in the Pac-12 that only has four conference road games. One of those conference road games is Stanford. So from a where you got to play folks perspective, this is one of the easier schedules in the Pac-12. But they do have to play almost all the other heavies, right? Like the only mm-hmm. good team that, that they dodge is UCLA. And Texas Tech early is absolutely a, a, a tough trip. I mean, you're... If you assume that they play to a certain level, like at the bare minimum, like a top 12, top 15 type of team, you're basically giving them auto wins for Portland State, Hawaii, Colorado, Stanford, Cal, at Arizona State, host Washington State. So then the question becomes like, are they three and two or two and three in the other other five? To me, like that's kind of how I broke it down. Uh, I've got the exact same toss-up games right there. Um, my hunch is actually to lean under. I think at Texas Tech, at Washington, at Utah, those are tough. You know, if you're trying to find the losses, and I will say, like Oregon, no certified losses. Hey, you know, we've got some Oregon fans out there. There's there's an outcome. Ooh, look in your crystal ball. You're 12 and 0, baby, and you're going to the Pac-12 title game. You know, fighting for that spot in the college football playoff. But um, of those uh, five toss-up games that I've identified the same, it sounds like as you, Bud, with Texas Tech, Washington, Utah, USC, Oregon State, I I think two and three is probably more likely than three and two. So at, at nine and a half, I'm leaning to the under. This looks more like a nine and three schedule to me. I will say 
this is a TCU situation to me in that if Oregon is 12 and 0 at the end of the regular season, they will be in the playoff no matter what happens in the Pac-12 championship game because that would mean they'd have road wins over Washington, Utah, they beat USC. Um this is a phrase you're probably going to hear a lot over the next few weeks. I will not be including this on the locks pod at the end. <laughs> but I have the slightest lean to over. All right. Like the totals at nine and a half, I'm at like 9.7. And I, I agree with you guys pretty much on your, you know, what the what the swing games are going to be here. Like if they can win one of those two road games to they're they have to win one of those two road games at Washington at Utah to get there. If they can win both of them, I think they're definitely going to get there uh that texas tech game will probably be that'll probably like that that'll be a very early indicator of whether or not if you play the over or under on this that texas tech game right then could decide whether it's going to happen oh i was just going to say play the over because like there's a um like jeff schwartz had a great analysis he was like whoever has a defense in the pac-12 will win because you're looking at a bunch of really good offenses at the top of this conference and there are not outside of one team who I, we're not talking about today, there's not a lot of like certified really, really good defenses. I'm not ready to push Oregon. I think Oregon, and I, you know, correct me if y'all, if y'all see it differently, I think Oregon's pretty well built on the back end of its defense, which is good when you have to play a lot of good quarterbacks, but I don't think they're super strong up front defensively to the point where I, I, I'm not ready to say this is a plus value defense. Texas Tech, Oregon, Give me over 73 and a half for the point total in that one. Um, whoever's that's, got the ball last wins. That's a I'm scary on one under. for sure. Oh, go ahead, Danny. I'm on the under. I had him at nine and three. I also threw in a, after Washington, Washington State as a potential slip up game. You know, it's just like we're just off a win or lose for Oregon. Yeah. It's just that trap game that's back to back right after it. It's one that Washington State would circle all day long and I'm you know we'll get to Washington State in a little bit but um I also think you know losing an offensive coordinator I know there's an assumption that Will Stein because he was good at UTSA is just going to come in and it's just going to be seamless transition but I mean that remains to be seen so I, there's a little bit of you know question mark if Bo Nix can do what he did last year again this year at that level yeah Anything I'm else? very slightly over here um just I I think pat like pass defense overall is probably the question, but if you can get past that Texas Tech game, which will be a, a difficult one, like Portland State, Hawaii, Colorado at Stanford by week is what you have to get that pass defense right under Dan Lanning, who was a damn good defensive coordinator, you know, for Kirby Smart before you play that gauntlet of, you know, at Washington, Washington State, at Utah, Cal, USC, at Oregon State, Arizona State. So I mean that that is not an easy slate, but they do have time to get right. I feel like like or at least you're going to know if they can get right. I think in those first kind of warm up games uh, before you have to go play that gauntlet. I'm I'm very slightly over. I think they're pretty good run defense wise. Pass D scares okay. me a little bit, and I like I want to bet on the tackles being okay. They did lose like a lot of offensive linemen, um, but I, they've recruited the position well. And like, think about what Will Stein had at UTSA. He had you know, three excellent receivers and a very veteran quarterback. That's kind of similar to what he has here. Bucky Irving's a good back. I, we're picking every single one of these. Uh, agree with Tom. Slightly into the over. Yeah, I, I do think Oregon could have the best offensive line in the league. There's some certainty uh, stuff here too. I think right. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't see a scenario in which they go seven and five or something unless Bo Nix gets hurt. Like, there's a mm -hmm. certain level of just physicality and schedule home road split wise that kind of 
supplies a floor. All right. Count them up! Turning our attention to the Washington Huskies. Uh, Over-under win total, also at 9.5. Also currently priced at plus 100 to the over and minus 130 to the under. They got Boise State at home, Tulsa at home, a road trip to go play Tuck and Michigan State, come back home to play Cal, uh, then at Arizona, break October 7th, back in action again because Oregon and Washington will both be coming off their off week heading into that colossal matchup on October 14th, that game in Husky Stadium for or for Washington. Uh, Arizona State follows that also at home in Seattle. Then they hit the road to Stanford uh, at USC, Utah. Boy, at USC, Utah, back-to-back. That's brutal. Uh, then at Oregon State the next week, Washington State at home to close out the year in the Apple Cup. So the Boise State, Tulsa, Michigan State is your non-con. Looks like you still got to play everybody tough, too. Um Tom, why don't you get us started? What what do you see here for uh, for the Huskies? Same situation as Oregon. I'm just slightly over the nine and a half. I the way I break this down, those first five games before they're by, they're winning. Like I, I I know at Michigan State is a tough contest on paper, but just from what I have seen of Michigan State in the secondary the last few years in its overall pass defense and what we saw in that game between them last year, I think Michael Penix and those receivers coming to East Lansing will, especially in September before the weather gets crappy they'll probably be okay. Um, the key thing is you get Oregon off the bye, which is nice at home. So that's that game is slightly more winnable than it would have been in another situation. But you mentioned it a minute ago, Chip, that run starting in November of at USC, Utah, and at Oregon State in consecutive weeks, they could easily lose two of those three games. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, can they go perfect in the in the rest of the schedule? I think they have the ability to. I also think they could win two of those three games. So, again, a very, very slight lean to the over, but it will not be one of my postseason win total locks. I'm slightly to the under here on Washington. I, you know, we liked them last year, not as much as as we we should have. Obviously, Kalen DeBoer did a great job with their turnaround. I think they caught some people early uh, by surprise, and, and we pretty quickly bet on this team last year and realized what a good job. He was doing, uh, but I'm not entirely sure that they have another leap that they can take. And I feel like to go and win ten ball games, they might have to unlock like yet another level. And so, I, my question is, why? Like, are we betting on the offense being like materially better than it was last year with basically all the same guys? Maybe the O line is has lost a few. Do we think the defense is going to take a a big step up? I I don't know why we would project that maybe so I, I think it's possible with with the front seven being a, a good unit uh but i'm slightly under here and look i think tulsa is terrible obviously like boise they, they should handle at michigan state i agree with tom i think this schedule is a little bit trickier though so they, they don't get colorado and they don't get ucla so they're having to play all of the top teams in the league hell yes yeah, trickier they did not play usc last year they did not play utah last year right like it's yeah. It, now, Utah home is different than Utah Road, though. Like we, yep. we like that is for sure. That, that that's Utah that's Road thing. is impossible. In the last right. <laughs> in the last three seasons, we've played a full schedule. They're nineteen and zero mm-hmm. at Rice Eccles Stadium. Yeah. It's very different type situation. If you're I'm, using a, a one point five for your home field advantage for Utah, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I'm I'm slightly to uh, I'm slightly to the under. Uh, I gave them Michigan State also. Oh, man, I I was just staring at like I I have labeled Oregon. 
USC, Utah, and Oregon State as all toss-ups. And boy, even two and two against that run, I think is going to be a little bit difficult. Slight lean to the under for me. They're going to be five and zero. Oh. Yep, they're an eleven and a half point favorite against Michigan State on yeah. the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be five and zero. Oh. They're going to have a bye. They're going to get through uh, Oregon. They're going to be eight and zero oh when they take on USC. Uh, that's the game where I have them their first loss against USC on the road. And then it's sort of a crapshoot, but I feel pretty. I, I think they're going to catch some momentum. Uh, off the early part of the season. Also, if you look at the depth chart and like on the preseason Pac-12 teams, they do have some talent on the defensive side of the ball. So I think their defense could get, I don't know how much better can they get. They were already probably one of the better defenses in the Pac-12. Um, I think this team's going to be good. I had them at 11-1 and one and playing for the Pac-12 title. Yeah. yeah. Husky. Hey. Husky. They got two dudes on the outside, and yeah. this is assuming Penix stays healthy. Like, if he mm-hmm. gets hurt, all I mean, that's like we would say with Bo Nix or anybody, Caleb Williams, but he has a little bit more of an injury history uh, that we have to worry about. So, like, that's one of those disaster situations if he got hurt. Yeah, Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze, we had them as some of the best wide receivers in the entire country in our wide receiver draft. And to your point, Danny, you're going to find Washington defenders at all three levels you know, yeah. popping up in some of those, you know, early preseason, all-conference type lists. Um, so it's, uh, it, 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 this is a, an incredibly quality team. This is very, very fun. We've talked about it all offseason, the top of the Pac-12 with minimal separation between these teams. Every single time they go against each other, it's going to be something that you want to catch live. How many games are going to win? On some network, ball? we don't know yet. <laughs> what what'd you say? I said on some network, but we don't know which one yet. <laughs> All right. We'll keep working our way down the odds board with the former Pac-12 North teams onto the Oregon State Beavers. What an absolutely massive season. 10-3 and three for Jonathan Smith last year. So they're back in action for their encore. Uh, they open at San Jose State on a Sunday. Ooh, you know what they say? You don't want to play the Spartans on a Sunday. What they've always said. All right. What day was Thermopylae fought on? <laughs> yeah. There you go, Tom. Hit them with that history. Uh, back in action on short rest against UC Davis at home, San Diego State at home, then at Washington State, followed by short turnaround, Utah on a Friday, but at home, at Cal, UCLA at home. So you've got seven games before you finally hit your break, October 21. Back in action off the bye at Arizona, at Colorado, then Stanford at home, Washington at home, at Oregon. Over under win total at Caesar Sportsbook is at eight and a half, over plus 130, under minus 160. Yuck. What are we doing with the Beavs? Just as a note, if you are somebody looking to play under here, uh, there are better options out there as far as yeah. price. So, you know, like, yeah. Um, I guess I'll lead it off. I'm, I'm going to go under on Oregon State. Uh, I I like this coaching staff a ton. I think they have a relatively high floor because they are not quarterback dependent. Now, maybe DJU ends up being that quarterback. Maybe Aiden Childs ends up being that quarterback. But they, they don't get USC, but they also don't, don't get Arizona State. Uh, the road slate is fairly easy with the exception of the Oregon game, uh, which obviously is a tough place to go play. 
I just don't know that this team takes another step forward overall. This was kind of a sneaky good defense last year. And I will say that bowl game is a game that I personally removed from my power ratings because I don't think Florida gave a damn and Oregon State did. And so if you look at a lot of like the publicly available power ratings out there, Oregon State's overall power rating jumped by like a field goal because they beat Florida by 30 points, right? When when they were you know not that huge of a favorite. So I, I am slightly under here. Uh, again, I like this football team. I think their defense takes a step back, and I'm not convinced the offense takes a big enough step forward to compensate for the defensive step back. I'm slight. I'm lean over. Um, I there's there's something to be said where um, one argument, and I think Bud, like you're big on this. You toughest games you want them to be on the road because if they're going to be losses they might as well be losses you know you want your toss-up games well it depends on what your goals are if your goals are to win the league then you want your you want your toughest games at home if your goals are just to make a bowl then you want then you want the like the auto losses and oregon state somewhere in between because they're like kind of like oh don't tell their fans that they 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 feel like they're coming for the league man so here's here's what i see i see that the utah game is in corvallis that the UCLA game toss up of toss ups is in Corvallis and that the Washington game is also in Corvallis. And when it comes to some of those in-state rivalry games, especially one like Oregon, Oregon state, I almost, you know, if it's on the road, is it really on the road? Do you factor in some of those same, um, you know, knocks on the team? So I've got a slight over here where I've got San Jose State, UC Davis, San Diego State, Cal, Arizona, Colorado, Stanford as wins. I acknowledge that at Wazoo is probably tricky, but I think that in that run of Utah, UCLA, Washington, big dogs who all have to come into the woods, I think some of them are going to get you know hit with the chainsaw. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a slight over here for, uh, for Oregon State. I think if this team played more on ESPN, you'd hear him talked about the way that we talked about Iowa State and Matt Campbell a couple years ago. Ooh. Oh, he's a better coach than Matt Campbell is. They play offense and defense. I don't disagree with that. But remember the convert. Remember when Iowa State was a very trendy pick, and we all mm-hmm. faded him. We're like, eh. I think last year was like tapped out Oregon State. I think they maximized what they were last year. So I think this year will be a little bit more of aggression. When I went through it, I had it seven and five. So I feel pretty comfortable on the under. And if DJU is the starter, I feel way better about that. Like I just, I'm, I've seen, I know that it was the offense at Clemson and a lot of other issues. I just, I am not sold on DJU being the guy that's going to, you know, take this program to new heights if he's even starting. A little behind the scenes for this pick. Uh, the shirt I'm wearing, if you're watching on YouTube, I wore this yesterday. It's been a bit hectic around the house. I was planning on changing before the show started. I went to the closet and I grabbed my Oregon State shirt. And then I thought about what today's topic was. And I realized what side of the win total I was on for Oregon State. And I thought, you know what? I should probably not wear my Oregon State shirt today because I'm on the under. I'm, oh. not, qu- I'm not quite as confident in it as Danny is, but... I just, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think they kind of tapped out on what they were going to be last year. I don't think they're a 10-win team. I thought they kind of overperformed a bit record-wise compared to how they played on the field. And I do think that the schedule this year is going to prevent more losses. I don't think the Beavers are going to fall off the face of the earth. I just think 8-4 and four is far more likely than 9-3. and three. Damien Martinez is still there, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they still got a whole bunch of big offensive linemen. They can still run inside zone on the whole damn conference. Jim Mahalski still coaches island. the O line. Dude, huh? he's that J- Jim Mahalski still coaches their O line, does a great job. I love being on an island, especially when it's with the Beavs. Let's go. <laughs> it's more of a damn chip. <laughs> Do we, I know we track our, our totals when we actually give them out as locks. Do we track these from last year at all? Yeah, some guy did I'm on Twitter. Uh, he did? Yeah. Vamp for a minute about the merits of wearing the same clothes two days in a row if you don't leave the house and like you're not going outside much. Well, how like, about... <laughs> and I'll find it. <laughs> the, the problem is you got to go back to daycare pickup. So if you got it too many times in a row, then the teachers start to get concerned that the children are going home <laughs> to an unsafe environment. Yeah, I won't lie. There's times like when I would walk the dog around the neighborhood where I'd be wearing the same shirt, but I would only switch the shirt because I was going on the walk. And I didn't yeah. want to run into the same people wearing the same shirt two days in a row. Then you get home and you put the other shirt back on. <laughs> yeah, I, like I'll, I'll wear the same pair of like khaki shorts. Like yeah. obviously you change the underwear for like, yes. like, like, you know, just around the house shorts type thing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, okay. So last year in the Pac-12, according to Alex J. Springman, who apparently listened to both episodes and totaled it up. Uh, I wasn't on the North episode, but I sent notes. Uh, uh, we had to guess my lean. Tom was not on the South episode. Tom three three and one. Danny eight three and two. Chip seven two and two. Bud seven two and two. So overall, as a podcast, even though I don't think you should just go out and blindly bet every single win total right now because you would just you would lose your ass on the big. That's still pretty damn good. Love it. Do these lines feel better than last year for the Pac twelve? Because to me, they do. It's only because there's such a division. Like there's better yeah. grouping where you can sort of throw the teams to the top, teams to the bottom, and then the teams in the middle. Speaking of those teams in the middle, let's do get down into one of those real big question mark teams like Washington State, Cal. Are the Bears going to be bowling? Like literally, how many games is Stanford going to win this fall? We'll get into that and more next. Taking it to Jake. Dickert back here on the cover three podcast, looking at Jake Dickert and the Washington state Cougars wazoo went seven and six last year. And they start this year on the road at Colorado state home opener. Ooh, it's against Luke fickle and Wisconsin. Follow that up with Northern Colorado at home, Oregon state at home, hit the off week on September 30th, back in action at UCLA, Arizona at home, then at Oregon, at Arizona State, Stanford at home, at Cal, Colorado at home on a short week. That's on a Friday night. And then close, of course, in the Apple Cup. That is at Washington. You get another year of Cam Ward. Uh, you get another opportunity to be able to try and uh, you know build out that offense. But are the Cougars going to be able to find the consistency that they could not otherwise find in an inconsistent season? Which way are we going for Washington State? Over under six. Push sauce. This is a six and six team with a six and six schedule. Uh, I gotta pick a side though, Chip. I push Chip, lean over. Here's, so my notes say push lean over because as I was doing the toss ups, if the toss ups are going to include Arizona, Arizona State, and Cal, and I'm calling those your toss ups, then I am going to say that you've got a better chance at winning some of those toss ups based on the overall collection of your toss-ups. So six and six, pretty much every way I cut it. Oh, and by the way, over minus 120 at Caesars, under minus 110. They see this thing as six and six as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I tend to think that they're going to lose to Wisconsin. They're going to lose at UCLA. They're going to lose at Oregon. They're going to lose at Washington. 
So that gives them one, two, three, four certain losses. And then among the toss ups, win some, lose some. This I'm is also pushing. Sorry, go ahead, Tom. I was gonna say I, I'm also pushing, but I give the slight lean to the under. Just I, I look at the non-con, and I don't know what you were about to say, but but I look at at Colorado State and at Wisconsin to start. I don't think it's likely, but I think an zero and two start is far more in play than you might just think upon first glance, because I think Colorado State's probably going to take a step forward this year compared to what they we have saw to. last year. Yeah. Yes, they have to. So, <laughs> like. I don't know, man. I, I think those two games are crucial, but I do. This just screams six and six to me, but slight under. If you take and if you back out the fact that you can't play yourself, right, and you do schedule schedule ratings that way within the Pac-12, this is the easiest schedule in the Pac-12, right? Mm-hmm. They get both Arizonas, they get Colorado, and they get both of the bad Northern California schools. No USC, no Utah, right. And no, or no, they do have Oregon. They get Oregon on the road. Yeah, they have to because there's only 12 teams and you, and you can't play yourself. So basically, if you do the Pac-12 at home, just go through and you, there's two teams that each each uh, program won't play. Um, and there's USC Utah is a nice thing to see generally when you're doing that. I, I think this defense falls off though. Like I know Jake Dickard is a is a, a you know, defensive coordinator, but they lost some important guys, man. Like they lost a lot of defensive tackle. I know they're encouraged by what they have there. But like Dan Henley and Maui Goa, Maui, Maui Goa transferred to Miami, and Miami is like snap call. He's the best linebacker on our team by a ton, and he was the second best li- linebacker on this team. Dan Henley was a freak, like havoc rate per snap. Shout out Bill Conley, like three you percent, know, almost double digit tackles for loss, a bunch of pass breakups, and they lost a good amount of corner too. Like like Langford was, was kind of a stud corner for them. At the same time, like this number's been bet down. I think it came out six and a half, kind of even across the board at six. Uh, <sighs> but side North Carolina. Over. Come on. Yes! Forget about Cam Moore Jr. Let's go. Right. Yeah. Another year slight, under his belt. Slight over lean, but extremely slight. I there are two touchdown favorite on the road against Colorado State. They beat taking Colorado State. Last year. I'm taking what? Colorado State. Well, yeah, maybe with those points, they ain't <laughs> losing that game. They have beat 6.01. Wisconsin last year Literally. in Madison. They got them at home this year. That could be the sneaky upset pick. I'll say uh, me and Tom might have to have a side bet on this one. <laughs> I'm going over. See, the fact that they beat Wisconsin in Madison only furthered me taking Wisconsin. Yes, yes. <laughs> but because like inside that locker room, those guys are like, we are not letting Nikia Watson run all over us. That guy quit our team. He went, uh-uh, no, no. We're going to go out and win that game. I think, I think it's a big one for Fickle and his staff. Sneaky good transfer additions, too, I think, at receiver. So I, I'm at 6.01. That's an over. <laughs> <laughs> the very slightest of overs on the lean for but count them up oh boy justin wilcox my man you have you've been here a minute seventh year here went four and eight last year bringing back a good bit starts the season at north texas home opener against all man, man both washington state and cal starting the year on the road the g5 program Coming home with a slobber knocker conference opponent. Auburn at home, then Idaho at home, at Washington, Arizona State at home, Oregon State at home, 
then at Utah before finally getting your break seven games into the season on October 21st. Back in action to get to catch USC at home, Oregon on the road, Washington State at home, then back-to-back road games, Stanford and UCLA. Caesars has it at five wins over minus 140, under plus 110. Under. A confident under. Just, it's nothing against the coaching staff. I think Justin Wilcox is good at what he does. I just think it's a very tough situation, and it's been a very tough situation the last few years. And they do have some experience coming back from last year, which I think will help them. It's just I don't know how much it will help them because, again, this is a similar situation to what I just said with Wazoo. You mentioned that road game with North Texas. I don't think Cal's going to lose that game. Cal can lose that game. Auburn, they're probably going to lose that game. Idaho, they should win. But then you've got at Washington, Arizona State, Oregon State, Utah. That's all before the bye. This is a team that going into the bye could be two and five or three and four. It's hard to, you know, if they're three and four, then I would feel pretty good about the over at the very least a push. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I have this team at about 4.1 wins. So if I'm getting it at five, give me the under. You're at 4.1? Mm-hmm. I'm at 5.2, so I'm going to go Same. ahead and, and go go slide over here. Um, I I do think that getting rid of Bill Musgrave, finally, as the offense coordinator, may be the desperation move that can save Justin Wilcox's job. And they return quite a bit on defense. Um, like we've seen Jake Spavital have a have an undersized quarterback run the air raid and run around a lot before. His name was Johnny Manziel. And I'm not, I don't think that, that, that Sam Jackson is Johnny Manziel. But he may be able to run around enough. And I I look at this as kind of having four automatic wins, basically. I think they're going to beat North Texas. I think they're going to beat Idaho. I think they're going to beat Stanford. Um, and I, well, three automatic wins. Excuse three. Me. Yeah. No, yeah. There's, there's three automatic wins and there's seven losses. Like I've, <laughs> I haven't even gotten to toss ups and if I've you, already hit five and seven. If Maybe. you run your distributions, yeah. I think it makes sense to pay up for the five and a half. Who are your three automatic wins? North Texas, Idaho, Stanford. See, I don't think two of those are automatic wins. Yeah, I had or at North Texas. Idaho? Or, no, I Idaho is an Idaho. automatic win. At North Texas and at Stanford, I don't consider those automatic wins. What do you make that game? Which one? Uh, North Texas. Oh, I think Cal's favored. I would have it. I wouldn't. If it's more than a touchdown, I'll take North Texas. I'll give you... Uh, I'll give you seven and a half right now. <laughs> what is it? Show bet. It's 10. It's, it's 10. 10? Okay. Well, yeah, I will take 10. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just, listen, I think, I don't think North Texas, we're getting in the weeds here. I don't think North Texas was that bad last year. Like, I think they had, I think offensively, they were able to move the ball pretty well. I think they could move the ball in this Cal defense. And just offensively, I know Spavital's coming in, but the very first game of the year, I don't know how sharp that offense is going to be. As the author... Of North Texas thirty to one, which is in here somewhere in my my ticket somewhere. I uh, I'm very concerned at the at the players who North Texas lost to all these SEC programs. Like when they when they, I, I, yeah, I don't I don't think the line should be twenty, but I, I seven. I'm, I'm I'm betting Cal all day. It's not it's not so much the North Texas game, but spoiler alert: when we get a few more teams here, it's more the Stanford game. Um, yeah, Auburn. Think- Auburn yeah, at Washington, point. Oregon State at Utah, USC at Oregon at UCLA. I do not see this Cal team winning any of those games. So if like 
five and seven before I even start to think about what's going to happen in Washington State Cal. You know, even giving them that as a, a potential toss-up consideration, strong under. Strong under. The juice is to the over, right? Which I was kind of mm-hmm. surprised by that. Yeah. I'm on is the it? under with you guys. I also think the loss of Jack Plummer is pretty significant. He was pretty good for him last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I think, I, and they were four and eight with a good quarterback. And UCLA <laughs> plucked their best wide receiver, J. Michael Sturdivant. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've still got Jay Knott back there. I like that running back. He's he's carrying the weight of the offense sometimes, putting the team on his back though. But uh, I'm I am not in a position where I'm I'm feeling overly confident in in where this team's going to be at the end of the season. And then it you know leads to all of those. Well, what does Cal want to do? Right. I it, would say that Cal this year found a piggy bank for its transfer portal activity. Cal got some like desperation money together somehow. I I think they've done a much better job than all than all these academic programs. Like, would you rather have Cal's transfer portal class or like Stanford, Northwestern, Vanderbilt, Duke combined? I think I would take Cal's. Like so, Cal, something to switch to Cal. I'm telling you guys, they they have a different type of, of transfer coming in than these other programs do. That's not yeah, exactly just, setting the bar very high. No, it's not. But that's their competition in the market because like it's it's kids with some grades. Yeah, but how do you grade like the vegan food platter in the locker room? <laughs> that's that's also fair. I, I will say, like, I'm not obviously if I'm five point two, like I'm not betting Cal to the over with with my my money. Maybe with Tom's, um, but they did play some tough, very close games last year. Like Notre Dame, single score, right? One touchdown. Washington, one touchdown. Uh, Oregon was not USC. I think was a concession score, so not really you know big time there. UCLA, they led the game for almost the entire thing and lost by a score. Like they have played some of these decent teams well. They've also completely uh, crapped the bed at times. Yeah, they're honestly. they're a PETA team. They're a pain in the ass. Yeah. Shout out to David Reese in your twweltieth year of college football. The former Florida Gator is on this Cal roster. That's what going I'm saying. And earning his liberal arts triple master's degree <laughs> in Berkeley. Patrick Glad Morris you're in the world, my man. <laughs> First team All Conference guy at San Diego State. His brother or cousins on the team or something like that, and so they they're able to get him in the portal. Maybe maybe that was part of the um, the UCLA USC backroom deals. Like they left left a little bit of money to fund the portal class. Stanford's like, where's mine? Yeah. The <laughs> oh man, speaking of, how many games are gonna win this fall? Two and a half, according to the odds makers. Stanford win total at Caesar Sportsbook is at two and a half, with the over at minus one forty, the under at plus one ten. Schedule opens at Hawaii, followed by at USC, then Sacramento State at home, Arizona at home, Oregon at home, break on October 7th, back in action at Colorado on a Friday night, then UCLA at home, Washington at home, at Washington State, at Oregon State, finish with Cal at home and Notre Dame at home. Year one for Troy Taylor, was wildly successful at the FCS level. Bringing in, you know, wide open offense. It's got a lot to, a lot of work to do on the personnel front, in terms of building out this roster. What's year one going to look like for uh, Troy Taylor? Over. All right. 
I'm, you know, I might be, I might be drinking the Kool-Aid a little too much here, but it's just a different vibe around this program right now. There's an electricity going through it that I don't think has been there the last few years. I feel like Stanford had been sleepwalking the last two or three years. Now I have serious concerns about the talent level. I'm not sitting here telling you Stanford's going to go bowling or anything like that, but I think they can get two, three wins. I think the new offense will change things up. I do think that at the bottom of the Pac-12, like we've discussed this, this is very much a two-tier league. There are the good teams and then there's the bad teams. I don't think the difference between Stanford and the rest of those bad teams is that significant. Now, some of the problem that they have is a lot of those games are on the road, which hurts them. But I think Mm -hmm. Stanford can beat Cal. I think Stanford can beat Wazoo. I think Stanford can beat Colorado. I think Stanford can beat Arizona. I think Stanford will beat Hawaii because I don't think Hawaii is a very good team. And plus, with that being the first game of the year. So I think they're going to get to at least three wins. I think four is in play. I think if things break right and that offense hums, they could get the five. So I'm going over. I love that. Um, my notes say, I guess, over question mark. I think I'd rather <laughs> just play Stanford versus Hawaii and cash out rather than have to sweat That's out the rest yes. of the thin roster. Um, and then, just as you were talking right there, I went to look it up. Stanford's favored by nine and a half against Hawaii in that opening game. I gave it. I gave them at Hawaii as a win, but I was kind of thinking in the back of my mind that that was going to be where this would swing to get to the over. But that odds makers very much favor uh, the Cardinal in that spot. I guess that's a good sign if you are bullish on the over, uh, at least because you pick up Hawaii seemingly, you know, nine and a half point favorite Sacramento State, and you just got to get one more. It's a pretty, it's a pretty tasty proposition uh, for for wanting to get in. We. Tom, it's like the Pittsburgh Pirates overs. Like we want to find a number at the very bottom yes. of the board, yeah. you know, where you're just, we just need three. All right. Mm-hmm. You can get too early and you just need one more. I like Stanford might be our team. Nine and a half point favorites win 73% of the time, which means they lose 27% of the time. <laughs> Since Bud <laughs> referenced Cal playing Notre Dame close and wants to give him credit for that. I'll just throw it out there. Notre Dame. Stanford beat them last they did. year. That's right. Dame. I'm with How Tom. Did they ever contain those receivers? Yeah. <laughs> I'm with Tom on the vibes because like David Shaw, as much as I liked him as a coach, he'd been there a long time, right? So there's always some exhaustion. But if you spend time with him, he is a calm demeanor guy who is very, he's going to treat you like a professional. It's more like an NFL coach. I think you'll get Troy Taylor and then bring a fresh voice, a fresh mindset. I think that'll infuse some energy into the program. They only have a few starters on both sides of the ball. It's probably a good thing. Uh, you know, similar to when we talk about Colorado having to revamp their roster, which they did. Stanford doesn't have that luxury. But I think I the problem is I have them locking in too early. It's that third one is like I could see like Tom, I'm like, they could win that game. They could mm-hmm. that win that game. But I could also see them like November 18th versus Cal with two wins, like desperately needing that win at home to get the third. Like, what an experience. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and believe <laughs> me <Troy> up. <laughs> I, I will say, like, going to the David Shaw thing that I was talking about, like, I, and this is just my read, I think the COVID year and the transfer portal just took a lot out of David Shaw's desire to be there. And I think it kind of showed with the way it, the, the the results were on the field. And I think that Taylor coming in, even with a lower level of talent, which although we've seen the recruiting wise, that talent level is going to be rising in a few years. I just think that energy and that vibe could do a lot for this team. 
My numbers actually say under here, but I'm not taking the under. I'm going to go over. And the reason is just respect for the market. If you look at this, you could play minus 135 under three at DraftKings. You could play under three and a half minus 190 at MGM. You could play under two and a half, which is the number at plus 152 at FanDuel. Caesars with this number is on an island, right? So I'm going to go on that island and go to the over uh, here. Just I value half wins at about 65 to 70 cents, depending on, on where they are on the spectrum of your schedule. So there's not a 65, 70 cent gap between, you know, 110, 135 to go from two and a half to three, uh, nor is there like 135, 140 cent gap to go from 110 to 190. So uh, relative to the market price, I mean, this is, there's only way, one way I think you can bet a two and a half with these odds. Um, Also, that's boring. I know. I also, I think this is the worst power five team. The, it is it is important to note that Stanford gets to catch um, Hawaii in a huge body blow game one week after Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. So you know True. they're True. just they're going to come limping in there after the doors have just lit the bows on fire, and you just you're going to be catching them sore, right? In a rare spot, and I think it's a great great way for the Troy Taylor era to get started. That was fun. Halfway through the Pac-12. Other half coming up on Wednesday. The teams that were in the South, that means our USC, our Utah, our UCLA, and so much more. So come and join us 11 a.m. Eastern time. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Brunell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See you.